Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome back uh, to this week's edition of Inside the Vault, a Carolina Panthers podcast. I am your host, Ryan Smith. This podcast is brought to you by the Keep Pounding Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter, now known as X, at kppounding underscore F-S-S-N. And uh, this podcast is also powered by the Fan First Sports Network. Follow them on Twitter or X at FansFirstSN. You can rate and subscribe to the Tobacco Road Sports Radio YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at Tobacco Radio. And episode two of Inside the Vault, my guest today is a football writer for SB Nation, and he runs the socials for our friends over at Cat Scratch Reader. Great website, catscratchreader.com. If you have not uh, heard of them, feel free to go and take them a look. They do a really good job over there. He is Brian Beversluis. Brian, how are you? I'm just wonderful. We have football right around the corner. We got football on Saturday. I can't be better. (laughs) Training camp is five days in, Brian, so let's just get right into it. So, we're five days in training camp. What have been your observations so far on the 2023 version of the Panthers? Well, first observation, the one that everybody really cares about is Bryce Young appears to be as advertised. Um, he's making all he's making a lot of good throws. He's uh, clearly picking up the offense really well. They didn't do the whole like make him earn it thing. They very much announced that he was going to be the starter. So really good to see that. Obviously, the skill positions are another position where everybody wants to is really interested in that. I I don't really buy into the training camp highlight videos, especially since a lot of it is the wide receivers going up against like defensive backs by themselves. Um, But overall, it's still fun to see with football and whatnot. But overall, 
def very different uh, methods and uh, coaching philosophies at play here from the Matt Rule era. So that's what I've been enjoying. Sure. Um, and so some moves that the Panthers have made recently uh, as of last night and early this morning, Panthers signed linebacker Deion Jones, former Falcons pro bowler uh, from 2016, uh, drafted to Atlanta and then played, uh, had a cup of coffee for Cleveland as well. Uh, now with the Panthers, his third team. Also signed defensive lineman LeBron Ray, former teammate of Bryce Young at Alabama, and then Nick Thurman, former Jacksonville Jaguar. So uh, some of these are depth moves, um, particularly Thurman might be a camp body. What are some of your uh, comments on these moves that we just made here in the last 24 hours? So the biggest one would be um, Deion Jones, obviously, yeah. because the Panthers linebacking core has been extremely thin for uh, – ever since the end of the off season. Um, I'm excited for, I'm excited to see what he brings as far as depth. I mean, that's one of those really low cost type um, signings where, you know, you're not, you're not devoting a whole lot of capital to him. You're hoping he kind of, he can kind of bring up, get back to where he was when he was a Falcons uh, standout. So that's my, that, that one I really liked because beyond Shaq Thompson and Frankie Louvu, there really isn't much behind them. I mean, there's Brandon Smith, who was was part of the Matt Rule era, and I know we'll, we'll probably touch on him later. Um, beyond that, there really wasn't much else there. I mean, they needed to find a replacement for Corey Littleton, who they they allowed to walk in free agency. So Dion Smith is definitely that. He can be the uh, the third or fourth linebacker behind those two. I mean, it's going to be it's pretty apparent to me based on what I've seen. Um, that the lot like we're going to be seeing again where the there's not going to be too many linebackers on the field all at once this season. Um, so I think that there's the top two and then everybody else behind them is just going to be depth. So that's how I feel. I like Deion Jones. Like I said, low risk, high reward signing. If he doesn't pan out, it's whatever. Um, the other two guys, that's just them churning the bottom of the depth chart as far as the defensive line goes. Um, they released somebody today. I'm, why is the name escaping me? Um, uh, yeah, I'll get to him in a second. Yeah, Bravion Roy, okay. former Baylor. Yeah. Um, Six-round pick out of Baylor, Matt Rule guy there, um, which you actually – that's perfect. You led me right into my next question. Yeah, um, the Panthers got rid of the last Rule acquisition, uh, waving Bravion Roy. Uh, I was personally a little surprised. He was a good depth guy, uh, but I don't think he was a great scheme fit for this current uh, coaching staff – or, uh, yeah, new coaching staff. He flashed uh, very frequently uh, when he wanted to, uh, and sometimes he was just out of the picture. Uh, but I don't think it was he was a good scheme fit, I believe, for this new 3-4 defense. Yeah, I was a little shocked by the timing of it, not necessarily the fact that it happened. Yeah. Um, I think what ended I, – I, if I had to just look at it objectively from a distance, it's that he wasn't a scheme fit, like you said, and they just let him go so he could go hopefully catch on somewhere where he would be. I think he actually got picked up by the Bears on waivers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he was a 4-3 defensive tackle through and through and more of a nose tackle type, but I don't think he fits what they were looking for. So last Matt will hold over. There's a lot of guys that are going to be holdovers, not just from Temple or Baylor, that no longer have real any real uh, – not – they, they're they're going to have to prove themselves, I guess is the best way to put it. They, there's no uh, there's no recency bias. Or there's no uh, 
preference because this is a whole new coaching staff. Right. So. And I just looked, you are correct. He did get uh, picked up by the Bears, uh, former uh, Bears, uh, Panthers, now Bears. DJ Moore, obviously we know. PJ Walker, Deontay Foreman, now Ravion Roy joining the forces in Chicago. Um, let's get to Brandon Smith really quick. You mentioned him, second-year linebacker from Penn State. Um, with the Jones signing, that has to not be good news for him. And uh, Kyger Hill also making some great interceptions on Bryce Young and Andy Dalton in training camp uh, in the first two days. And thought he was going to be more of a special team signing, but he's done a really good job so far uh, in his first training camp in Carolina. Um, so Brandon Smith, a player I could see being on the bubble even just in his second year. Um, what other players could you see being on the bubble um, second year or others um, who are who might be a little younger that the Panthers might be looking to move on to uh, with this new coaching staff? On the bubble. Hmm. I'm trying to think now. <laughs> uh, maybe like Ian Thomas or potentially even Tommy Tremble um, are guys where I could see them on the bubble. So, yeah. My and I'll to touch on Brandon Smith quickly. Um, he was selected by Scott Fitterer, traded up for, but this is a whole new coaching staff. They really don't have any ties to him. They did trade up for him though, which is why I think they will give him every chance to make the roster. Um, that fifth linebacker spot for somebody like him, they can make the team as a special teams player. Um, so I'm not, I think he'll end up making the team, but it's very possible that he gets knocked off. Um, the tight end room with Hayden Hurst being in there. Uh, I could see one of the top, the big three from last year between Thomas Tremble and uh, was it Stefan Sullivan? Um, Sullivan out of LSU. Yeah. Yeah. I could see one of those three losing their jobs or even Giovanni Ricci. Um, so yeah, it's, it's one of those, there's a lot of, there's just, this is just a whole new coaching staff that doesn't owe anything to those guys. So even if they did let go of Brandon Smith, it's not a fault in the coaching staff. Cause that wasn't the same staff before. Um, aside from that, maybe Sam Franklin though. I think they're, I think they were pretty intentional about bringing him back the safety because he was one of the best special teams players in all football last year. Um, they just have a lot of safeties on the roster, so it's going to be interesting how they fit him in there. Yeah, um, and, and for those of you who might be familiar with Brian Baldinger over at NFL Network, he has a great uh, video on Sam Franklin specifically about special teams and how he's at, just like you said, one of the best special teams players in all of the NFL last year. Um, Tommy Trimble is a funny name that you – I was going to get to him later, but you brought him up. Um, he seems like someone who's always around the football. He, I, I think he can be used as an H-back fullback player in the slot. Um, he's very versatile. So I think I'd honestly think he's someone, this coaching staff kind of like we've seen with Lavishka Chenault so far in training camp is going to find a way to use him in different areas and exploit um, his versatility. And so we'll see how that goes, but that, that at least that's my opinion on Tommy Tremble. My opinion on Tommy Tremble is again, he was a holdover from the Matt rule era, which means that they don't owe him anything right now. Um, you did see the flashes last year where you, like his couple of long pa pass receptions or the, there was one not really nice touchdown from PJ Walker where you say, you say, okay, I get what they saw in him. Right. Um, obviously an, an accomplished blocker from college. That was one of the big things that came when he was coming out. It's just one of those things where again, the coaching staff doesn't owe him anything. So if there's a tight end on the, between Hayden Hurst, I think Ian Thomas is going to be a lock to make the roster just because he has, He's got the pedigree as a blocker. So it's just one of those things where 
I would love to see them keep him because I think he will do a lot of a lot of the multiple type things that I know Thomas Brown will want them to do. Um, they obviously are going to be a, run, a running heavy team just because of the investment of Miles Sanders, the fact that their offensive line was very run centric last year. So I think Tommy Tremble makes the roster. I just would not be surprised if they let him go. But yeah. I think he can do all the things you said. I think he can do them very well. So we'll see. It's just one of those things where if he gets cut, I'll be like, oh, that sucks. But I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Um, let's uh, stay on the defensive side. Um, so. C.J. Henderson and, and the quarterback room, you know, someone who uh, first round pick from Jacksonville out of Florida um, a few years back, he uh, did not get his fifth year option picked up by the Panthers. So this is really a prove it year for C.J. Unfortunately, he went down with a uh, an injury that we don't quite know the severity of it. The coaching staff not going to say much about it, but uh, quarterback room is already thin. So certainly the last thing Panthers need, uh, you're hoping and banking, crossing your fingers on Horn on Jackson to stay healthy. Uh, Keith Taylor, though, has had a nice camp. Uh, Joe Person over at The Athletic, also our first guest on this podcast, you know, he talked about today how Taylor has just been someone who's been making plays throughout these first five days. So uh, perhaps he might be a good um, depth piece for corner if C.J. Henderson does not pan out. But uh, C.J. Henderson specifically, uh, it's one to talk about his improvement that he's made so far and uh, hope he can kind of put it all together as he was a first-round pick uh, back in 2020. I'm a little skeptical of him right now. I mean, he there were talks about how he was having a really great camp last year. Um, and it's easy to have a good camp because, you know, it's not the full 100% go. Corner, or quarterbacks are throwing the ball that might get picked because they're more likely to do that in practice reps because it doesn't matter. Right. Um, usually quarterbacks are encouraged to make to try and force throws just to, just to give both guys a chance to kind of show out. Um, I think, I mean, he's going to make the team regardless because he's still in the top four there. Um, I'm a little bit more, uh, I'm a little bit more receptive to Keith Taylor right now because he, his issue was never that he was um, fundamentally not sound. It was just that he's not the best athlete. Um, So I like him a lot, especially in a zone heavy scheme. Um, But yeah, the cornerback room is a bit thin. Uh, Eric Rowe will factor into that because he was kind of a nickel corner slash safety hybrid for the Dolphins. And I think he'll end up being the the starter right away. Now, whether or not Jamie Robinson ends up taking some snaps from him, we'll see. But I don't know if the Panthers are as thin at corner as people think. Um, it's one of those where if J.C. Horn and Dante Jackson, or if either of them suffers an injury, you're going to be playing the third and fourth string guys regardless. And C.J. Henderson had his lunch eaten by Mike Evans last year, and I just <laughs> I don't yeah. see one I don't see one off season with this coaching staff making him a whole lot better. But he's certainly doing his best, and you know it is a prove it year for him. So it's not like they uh, are committed to him long term. If he doesn't work out, they can just cut bait after the season. It's it's that first year with the new coaching staff, so it's not like they're going to get fired over him having to play. Right. So. Yeah. Um, Switching gears to the offensive side of the football, uh, someone I think who is getting uh, a lot of praise from Frank Reich uh, very quietly, uh, and a lot of the Panther fans may not know much about him, is Raheem Blackshear, as we acquired him last year um, from Buffalo in a trade. And, uh, you know, he's having a nice camp. Um, What should Panther fans know about him specifically? We know about Miles Sanders. We know about Chuba Hubbard. Obviously, he was drafted by the Matt Rule era. Um, But Raheem Blackshear can be used in a different 
a variety of ways, punt returner, kick returner, and obviously a change of pace back. But um, someone I think who's having a nice camp and Frank Gregg has gone out of his way to really compliment him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, he brings that he brings that different dimension to the offense that Miles Sanders and uh, Chuba Hubbard don't necessarily bring as far as receiving, having that speed. Um, anytime a running back can make plays on special teams, they're going to ha- have an easier time of, of retaining their job. Overall, for me, it's just uh, he was one of those few diamonds in the rough that Matt Rule and his coaching staff were able to find. They only claimed him off waivers like midway through the season. He came in and had an impact as a change of pace back. So overall, he's just a guy where I think you can comfortably look at him as getting maybe three to five touches a game, making the most of them. Um, And if there's going to be an if there's an injury at this point, he's the RB three. So if there's an injury to Sanders or Chuba Hubbard, he's going to get more snaps that way. So I like him a lot. Um, Again, special teams is a big deal. That's a good way to keep your job. So running backs at this point are a dime a dozen. I think he fits into that uh, into that area where you see the people say, well, you know, you can get a, an undrafted running back who can make your, who can keep your running, your offense going. And it obviously helps that they have a really strong offensive line going into this year. So I like him a lot. I don't know if I'd expect him to be any kind of like big hit, big home run player this year, but he's the kind of guy you put in there on like second and four or something like that. And you could maybe pop off a 15 yard run because of the defense being gassed offense blocking well. So I like him a lot. I think there's a, I think that I originally went into the off season thinking they were going to get another running back. Um, I was kind of hoping they'd go for one of these top four veterans that's on the free agent market, but Blackshear's making it seem like they're pretty content with who they have there. Yep. Yep. And, um, and yes, thank you for the correction there. I'm not traded. He uh, was picked up on the waivers there. Um, I was probably thinking of another player on the, on the trade block. Um, Let's talk about this coaching staff. So we obviously know Frank Reich, former Indianapolis Colts head coach, Carolina, uh, ex-Carolina player back in the expansion years. Um, But you mentioned Thomas Brown. That's who I want to focus on. Um, I think Jera Avera has a great uh, track record on the defensive side of the ball. We're paying him uh, head coaching money to come be our defensive coordinator. But really, I think Thomas Brown is the one, I think, who is going to be very – has a chance to really impress this season. He's already getting head coaching interviews last few off seasons, but uh, talk about his impact specifically as our offensive coordinator uh, this year, even though Frank Reich will be still calling the plays, uh, but Thomas Brown, I think had a chance to have a real star in his name here in Carolina. Well, I mean, his time with the Rams shows that he knows what he's doing. Um, and it's one of those, the, the big focus of this off season with the coaches, which is a refreshing uh, sign or a refreshing um, direction compared to last the last few seasons with the Matt Rule era and all the same kind of ideas being put in place. It was very much um, bring in guys who have different ideas and help them make the offense work. And the, while Frank Reich will probably start calling plays, Thomas Brown apparently is the one who made who mostly designed the playbook. Um, so I think this is a good opportunity for him to show that he can that he can really, really coach, uh, work an offense. And I think it's going to be a great experience with him and Frank Reich working together. Um, overall, it's just one of those things where it's a meeting of the minds and they are all kind of working together to put Bryce Young in the best opportunity or the best situation to succeed. Obviously he made a lot of stuff work with Matt Stafford and, and with the Rams. So I like him a lot. I think that it seems like a lot of what he's trying to do is, uh, 
kind of make the offense multifaceted. There's a lot of stuff going on with the running backs, for example, receiving wise uh, that we didn't really see with the Matt rule group and Ben McAdoo. So I think his, his whole goal is just to kind of blend his playbook with Frank Reich's uh, philosophies and kind of have the best of both worlds. And they'll have a lot more different philosophies and uh, schemes to uh, make their game plans off of, which is never a bad thing. No. And uh, specifically, uh, now for training camp purposes, let's say, um, you know, we play a, a train camp's over. We play uh, maybe our first game against the Jets in, in the preseason. Um, you mentioned cornerback not being as thin as people might uh, seem to believe. Um, do you think the team signs a defensive end or do they sign someone, another corner, uh, you know, when it's all said and done before uh, the season uh, commences to kind of, bring another veteran presence into one of those rooms. If you had to take a guess and maybe give a player, if you know uh, what, if you have a guess there, what would they go after either a corner or defensive end? I think corner is going to end up being the one because it's, a, there's a lot. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply more uh there's a lot more runway with the players that are out there yeah um there's a lot of veteran guys out there who they can they can get i'm sure there'll be people who get cut corners just there's just a lot more out there where with defensive end you're going to get guys like yannick Ngakwe or who he he's never been the best run or he's never been the, the best run defender he's always been more of a pass block a pass rushing guy but they really seem to like marquise haynes and haynes has quietly been a very productive pass rusher. It's just a matter of that his opportunities have been kind of uh, few and far between. He's also a little bit more redundant with uh, Brian Burns. So I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of stick with who they got. Um, corner would be my position. I don't really know who they could go for out there, but there's plenty of there's plenty of veterans uh, that are out there if they really need one. So that's the one that's the one position where if like CJ Henderson can't come back, for example, they could yeah. snipe a veteran out there very easily where Edge number one, they're probably gonna have to pay, even even if even with guys who don't have a job right now. Um, so yeah, I, I would say corner would be my pick for who they address, um, just because there's there's a lot more of them out there. Yeah, uh, Justin Houston and Jadavian Clowney, hometown South Carolina kid, um, as we all know, uh, two of the other names out there on the defensive end market uh, as well. Um, yep. Defense uh, transitioning from four three to three four. Now we're talking uh, as a whole here. Um, Derek Brown, someone I feel like is going to really thrive in this new scheme. Obviously, Brian Burns, we know, we we know uh, as well. But Derek Brown, someone I really think with the good coaching um, and just the way he's, I think is going to be used in this new scheme. I am excited for his potential this year, and I think he's going to 
really take uh, that next step to being that Pro Bowl, even all pro type player uh, that the Panthers were expecting when they selected it. So Derek Brown's, I think a lot of what he would, he showed he was, he can be a destructive player and take over games over the yeah. last two seasons. Um, I think what's going to help him out is not being the nose tackle anymore, which is what he was in Matt Rule's scheme. And when you're the nose tackle by default, you're schemed into taking on double teams a lot more being the the guy that the offense is trying to, to uh, scheme around and get essentially you're more so about taking up space and, Make allowing the linebackers and the other players to make plays where Brown can make those plays. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I think that him playing as a three, four defensive end where he gets a little more of the edge rush where he's might be taking on a guard or a tackle by himself um, will be good for him. And uh, overall, I mean, I, I don't really, uh, people are making, make a lot of the, of the, uh, transition from four, three to three, four, but Matt rules defense last year was a lot of the same was a lot of the same things when it came to like nickel um, pass rushing sets. Like Brian Burns was still playing like basically a, an outside linebacker for the most part. Yeah. I think really what this is about is just getting the beefy guys closer to the line or closer to the middle of the line and letting the linebackers like Frankie Louvre and Shaq Thompson really go out there and uh, make plays more so than having to take on offensive linemen. So yeah. I think it's going to be fine. I think it's not going to be that big of a change. The only player that I'm uh, I'm very I'm a little concerned about is Yeter Gross Matos because they just changed his entire position, where now he's playing outside linebacker, which is something he hasn't really done at all. So, yeah, and you notice they haven't really talked a lot about him specifically. Uh, maybe highlight plays or uh, standing out this training camp. So, like you said, uh, a concern in someone who may uh, be a quiet trade candidate uh, if they can get something back for him. Uh, uh, potentially down the road. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Well, with Yeter Gross Matos, I mean, my my philosophy last year, and I'm hoping maybe I'm right this year, when <laughs> everyone was talking about the fact that they didn't have an edge rusher, I was like, well, you know, you could just kind of have co-starters between Marquise Haynes and Yeter Gross Matos on the edge, and they might be fine. And Haynes obviously had was a very productive pass rusher. Like, on a per-snap basis, he was great, where Yeter Gross Matos really wasn't. Yeah. So I'm hoping maybe like with the extra year, those two can kind of turn into co-starters and all of a sudden that uh, opposite position aside um, opposite of uh, Brian Burns is suddenly not as big of a deal as people thought. Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly have to see how that plays out. Uh, and we'll see as they go down the line here. And, and he'll give mm -hmm. a lot of snaps, I would imagine, in preseason games as well uh, to prove his worth too. Free agency. Uh, we've had a lot of different acquisitions, both offensive and defensive side of the balls. Um People know who they are, Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders, um, just to name a few. Um, what do you think uh, – who, who is your biggest free agent acquisition um, and who do you think is going to be the most uh, impactful for the team this season? Seems like DJ Chark. I mean, every every practice you hear about a, a deep ball to him, and that was the biggest thing that I was worried about once they traded DJ Moore. I was like, okay, well, who's going to be the deep threat? Yeah, like Terrace Marshall is more so – seems to be more of the intermediate threat right right now for them. And then beyond that, like Shy Smith never showed he was a deep threat. I love LaVisca Chenault. I love what he can do, but I don't think he's going to be a deep threat either. So it seems like DJ Chark is going to kind of, of um, occupy that Ted Ginn role where he's taking the top off the defense. And it seems like Bryce Young has developed a really good, a really good uh, connection with him. Um, 
As far as impact goes, I think just having a guy like Hayden Hurst around is going to be really good for, as we all know, rookie quarterbacks typically love throwing to their tight ends. It's usually yes. a much better matchup for them because they have the body. They can, they're, it's a little more, it's a little more of a security blanket. So I think he'll be the most impactful, but I wouldn't be surprised if DJ Chark pops off a thousand yards this year, if things go well with the offense. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, We'll wind down, Brian, uh, some rapid-fire ones, and then we'll get some of your predictions, and then we'll head out the door here. So let's talk about um, undrafted free agent. What are um, maybe a guy or two that you think is going to just uh, – I don't want to say come out of nowhere is the, the, word, the word I'm looking for, but someone who's going to just come and take a roster spot uh, or who has a chance to really shine with a good preseason and, and get a spot in that 53. Uh, I would say the one that really intrigues me the most is uh, it's either it's Rez John, Ray John, right? I don't I don't know if I've heard how it's pronounced properly yet, but yeah, um, Ray, Ray John right at the corner from uh, Oregon State yeah. also was on Last Chance U uh, on that Netflix. Yeah. Yep, yeah, I think that there's a, there were a lot of people that I was looking at on Twitter and whatnot who said that he felt they felt he was a mid round draft pick type player. And the fact that he went undrafted, and a lot of it was just because of athleticism concerns, which is the same thing with Keith Taylor. Um, I mean, overall, that guy had a pretty good college career. Um, I believe he went to Oregon State. And yeah. uh, so I could see him catching on just because if the, in the event the Panthers don't go out there and get a veteran corner, he could end up being the back of the depth chart. I mean, you got guys like Stanley Thomas Oliver, who, again, the coaching staff has no real ties to him. Um, you know, in the event there's an injury, that's something. And I, I remember reading that uh, Wright was actually getting some of the second and third team snaps while Horn and Dante Jackson were out. So I could very much see him making the team. Um, and even if he doesn't, that's a that's a safe practice squad holdover where you could probably elevate him on game day and expect him to have some snaps. So that's that's my guy at this point. Yeah, I know that that's definitely a good one. Um, so let's get some of your thoughts and predictions uh, for the season, and, and we'll certainly close it out. Um, first, uh, just your overall thoughts on the schedule this year. Um, we'll go into depth in just a few minutes, but just your overall thoughts on the schedule. Oh, let me pull the schedule real quick. Um, <laughs> I, I can I got it in front of me, so if you need me to highlight a few. Nope, I had the Panthers uh, the Panthers site in front of me. I just didn't have the schedule up. Just scroll through real quick. Ah. I have a hard time making a decision about what I think of it. I think, I mean, it's, there's a lot of teams on their schedule where I don't, it's kind of a toss up as to how good they're going to be. Like the green Bay Packers, for example, the Tennessee Titans, um, yep. obviously uh, the, pretty much the entire NFC South at this point is a toss up. Um, Detroit, Minnesota. It's one of those where, I feel like this is going to be a year where they're going to lose games that we really feel like they should have won. And they're going to win games that we really feel like they shouldn't have won. So it, it, it's always interesting when it comes to uh, a new, a new coaching staff, especially with a, with a rookie quarterback. You just, for those first few weeks, teams don't know what they're going to be thrown at as far as like what's on film. Cause there's not a lot of film on these guys. So yeah, I mean, I I kind of I'm expecting somewhere between in the neighborhood of eight to nine wins for this team. That's kind of how I feel right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you just stole my last question. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see if you can change your prediction in the next few minutes. Uh, but eight to nine is what you're saying so far. Um, 
toughest stretch uh, on the schedule. Uh, you said you just got it in front of you. I'm mm-hmm. for myself. I, I think honestly, uh, it's really this first uh, this October slate of uh, Seattle Vikings, Lions, Dolphins, and weeks uh, three through six is my toughest slate. Uh, what say you? I would agree with that. And on top of that, you're you're sandwiched with the first two weeks being the Saints and the Falcons, and that's never. Those, those games are never easy. I mean, it's just a matter of that. It's it's your division rivals who are, who really all of them are going to be presenting some kind of new face, some kind of new offense this year between Desmond Ritter with the Falcons and Bijan Robinson and then obviously the Saints and Derek Carr. So the first couple games of the season are always ugly. So it's one of those where, yeah, they – they get off those first couple games where it's really where we're likely going to see some ugly football. Um, and then they go smack dab into Seattle. Who's going to want to beat the shit out of them after last year. Um, Vikings lions, both could be playoff teams. Dolphins probably gonna be a playoff team. Then they hit the bye, and that's when their schedule softens up a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. And then of course they end the year ending the year with against the Bucks, Saints, Falcons, three straight weeks, and then the Packers, Jags, Bucks. So I don't really see a schedule. It's hard for me to say what part of their schedule is going to be easy because I just don't know what to expect from this team. It's it's hard to say because if Bryce Young goes out there and he, and he looks like, you know, year one Cam Newton where all of a sudden he's throwing for 400 yards a game, then they could win a bunch of games. But who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um- you just touched on this, so um, I won't ask you to spend a lot of time on this, but uh, how crucial is we'll, – we'll just focus on the first two games. Uh, it, Atlanta and New Orleans, one at home, one on the road. Um, how crucial is that uh, with two division games to open up the year? And uh, do the Panthers need to win both of those games out of the gate, uh, or can they afford that split? They can afford that split for sure because it, I it's – the Falcons are a team to me where once the film gets out there about Desmond Ritter, I've been hearing a lot of reports that his deep ball has been very concerning. And uh, if you remember when Cam Newton's deep ball started to get bad because of his shoulder injury, it was a lot easier for teams to defend him. So yeah, um, I think they could lose those two. They could probably even potentially lose those two, those two games if they find their footing within the first, uh, within the first five weeks of the season, maybe pop off a couple wins where they could potentially still be in the playoff hunt. It's just very rough because I really don't know what to expect from any of the NFC South teams right now. Um, I could I could see the the Saints running away with it. I could see them falling apart and being a dumpster fire. So it's one of those things where it's like <laughs> yeah. I just don't know. Um, if they win those first two games, that's a really good momentum starter, especially for a team with a whole new offense with Bryce Young at quarterback. Their defense with a defense like they have, you know, if they if they're able to put up a bunch of points to uh, to make to put some pressure on the other offenses, they might be okay. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I could, I, I wouldn't feel the season is lost if they were to lose both those games, or if they split them, I would feel very good. Yeah. And uh, last question for you, Brian. Again, you've been such a great guest here on Inside the Vault. Uh, second guest uh, here as we 
uh, expand this podcast. Um, you talk about the prediction for next season. Uh, you said eight or nine wins. I'm going to officially say nine and eight is my prediction. Uh, everyone has heard it. Uh, those who listen to this podcast, uh, you've heard it now. Nine and eight is Ryan's official prediction um, before I even see preseason because I think that's almost cheating if I if I just happen to see some preseason that I change my prediction. So nine and eight is I'm locking it in. Uh, nine and eight is my prediction. Uh, what say you, Brett? Well, just to touch on the preseason thing first, um, there are so many teams that win all of their preseason games and go on to win like four games in the season. So, <laughs> yes, exactly. I think making your I think making your prediction now is the best way because you're a little, it's a little more objective where you're not you don't have these teams that are you know that come out there and they play their 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 next string above the team they're against. So. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I My prediction is eight wins, and if they get to eight wins, then I will be happy because this is a brand-new coaching staff, brand-new quarterback. Um, again, like I was saying before, they're going to win games that we're going to be frustrated by and say, how the heck did they lose those? They're going to win a game or two. They're probably going to win at least one game. Where we're going to say, how did they win that game? Just because it's always very up and down with rookie quarterbacks, uh, even with a guy like Bryce Young who is going to be adjusting. You know, it's – my prediction, eight wins, nine losses, and if they get there, then we should be very happy for the next couple seasons after that. Well, Brian, that's a great way to wrap it up with our uh, season predictions. Uh, as I said at the top, my guest today here on Inside the Vault has been Brian Beversluis from Cat Scratch Reader, also a football writer for SB Nation. You can catch him there. Uh, Brian, any closing thoughts, uh, anything you want to plug? I, I mentioned Cat Scratch Reader and SB Nation. Anything else you want to get on on the pod before we close? Uh, the only thing I'd like to just say is that if uh, you enjoyed this podcast, we do our own podcast called the Keep Sounding Podcast. Uh, not doing it as often this year just because of uh, various things, but we will have at least a few episodes per month out for you. So check right. that out. Feel free to have us on. But yeah, other than that, now we're good. Hopefully you guys enjoy the season. Hopefully uh, you like Bryce Young and I'm hoping for good things. All right. Well, that wraps up this week's edition of Inside the Vault, a Carolina Panthers podcast brought to you by the Keep Pounding Podcast Network and powered by the Fan First Sports Network. I'm your host, Ryan Smith, and we'll see you next time.